film sucks Indie film sucks It's the Indie Film Sucks from the mean streets of St. Louis from a basement on South Broadway the Indie Film Sucks Podcast. It sucks. Because Indie Film sucks. We love it anyways. We do love it. We love it. We love the suck. We love we the do. suck. Episode 3, what's your suck? <laughs> Brock. Man, my suck my suck is all the ancillary bullshit we gotta do like podcasts and shit these days to get movies out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, going on social media, pushing our own shit, which we got to do, which we're getting ready to do. Yeah, what's your suck, Gregor? All the extra bullshit you got to do. That at this point, you know, you know without a shadow of a doubt, the distributor is not going to do for you. <laughs> I don't care what yeah. they promise you, kids. I don't care what they say. They're not going to love. They're not going to push your film. They're going to throw it at the wall. With everything else, see what and sticks. hope it sticks. Yeah, the turd, the turd wall. Yeah, you got to do all the heavy lifting yourself. Yeah, we're we're gonna get into what a P and A cap is, and how that's pretty much bullshit. When you talk to your distributor and then you look at your contract and you say they have a sixty thousand dollar P and A cap. Oh, what's this P and A cap? Oh, that's the marketing budget. Show me where the fuck that's going to be marketed yeah, at. I want. I definitely can't wait till we get yeah. into P and A distribution. See where, where where are you spending prints and advertising at to market our film? Please. Yeah. What you're going to take out an ad, a full page ad in Fangoria? I don't think so. I absolutely <laughs> do not think so. I told you we get them going. Yeah. <laughs> all right, your turn, Mac. All right, my suck today for this one is all the little stuff you got to do when you own a little LLC. <laughs> uh, we're in tax you, season. Yeah, we're in tax season. <laughs> so you have to make a little LLC yep. to keep your movie separated and keep it all square. So that's another little hint for folks. And we can get into the business side of things as we kind of move through these podcasts. Oh, yeah. But you definitely want to separate it out from the rest of your finances and your stuff. And it doesn't cost much to make an LLC. That's not the problem. But maintaining it and doing things right, because that's what we believe in. If you don't things right, then then you suck. Uh, but you just got to do things right. But the little things right. It's tax season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all our investors have to get we, their tax. Yeah, forms. and we finalized and we finished out our our investor pool, which was awesome. But I had to go back, do a bunch of stuff. Something got lost in the freaking mail, and I, it's it returned to sender. And next thing you know, I'm calling the accountant. He doesn't care about me, the accountant, because who am I to him? Yeah, and thank God he's a buddy of mine. But he's just like, I sent that. And I go, I know, I sent it. You got to get it in the mail. And he's just like, I'll send it to you. And then it's a coded pass. I mean, it was just, I mean, it's like. It's kind of like trying to get money back from SAG. Right. Oh, my God. That was another, <laughs> that was another whole podcast. That, that only took a year. So so yeah. that, that's that's my suck. That's what I dealt with today. So, people, it's real. It, it, it's out there. So, speaking of money, that's kind of where we left these folks off in our early days. Yeah, we're going to talk about how we raise money or what money we raise for our for the first, the earlier films. Yeah. So if you're still with us, remember, we're taking you on this journey. So we're talking about the early days. We introduced us a little bit about our stuff. We're talking about our early days. Making a film is a marathon, not a sprint. So, That's a good point. Uh, it's, so I'm interested about the early days, Chris, and, and how you you shot a 
feature film in St. Louis, South City. You brought in a bunch of actors. You talked about your audition and how big it was. That's how you brought Brock on, right? So he must have had big bucks, right? You must have been rolling in the dough and must have dropped it all on that film. I think our total budget for amphetamine was approximately $10,000. Only $4,000 was spent on production. $6,000 was spent on post. That sucks. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. Yeah, that's... And I, I think there was a moment of silence there for a minute, wasn't yeah. there? <laughs> I heard taps in the background. I think I heard something. <laughs> lower the banner to half, yeah, man. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. God, God, how the hell... How in the hell... I, I know the budget we had for Red Knight... And I know I, I that's lunches. I, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I know, I, I know how much each lunch costs down to the penny. Yeah. I can tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. So we uh, amphetamine. It's it was like a neo noir gangster movie because at the time, like everybody else, I was super inspired by Tarantino. Tarantino I wanted to make a Tarantino style movie because I was an idiot, didn't know any better. Hey. But uh, so you know we had all this gunfire and all this stuff, and there was this uh, gentleman. I guess I was asking Eric Stanzi, um, Stanzi, where can I, uh, where can I get some uh, some blanks, some blank fire guns? He's like, oh, I don't know. I, there's a guy I have a number four in town. His name is Baron Winchester. <laughs> oh. And I, I called up That's Baron Winchester. Name. That's a great name. And he sounded just like Baron Winchester. Had a gruff old kind of cowboy voice. And so, what can I do for you, son? I'm like, well, uh, we're we're making a feature film, and you know, we're trying to find someone to do blanks for us. What's your budget, son? <laughs> and I said, $10,000, sir. And he was quiet for a minute. He's like, son, you can't make a feature film for $10,000. And I thought that was plenty of money. <laughs> he was kind of right. He was completely right. <laughs> he, was, he was right. <laughs> so I was like, well, sir, I beg to disagree. And you know what? Some people listening to this are going to say, oh, if I had $10,000, yeah, you can, man. You can You can. You can no, do whatever stop. you want. Don't no. let anybody stop you. And that's that's the key, Chris. I'm glad you said that because people you find, you beg, borrow, and steal, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, that's what you do. Yeah. Because we had, I don't know, 30 locations in amphetamine, <laughs> and we got them all for free. Uh, we had tons of extras, and we got them all for free. We Everything we got for free, except for, like, the food and the wardrobe. Because here's the one thing you got to do on a film. You got to feed people. You got to feed them. And I'll tell you what. If Sometimes you, three or four times. <laughs> if if you get on a film set, and all you see is a, a igloo cooler full of Carl Buttig meats, run. You're, you're on the set of amphetamine. No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no I, will, I will tell you this, because you were not there on amphetamine. I wasn't. Every film that we have done we have given yeah. people a decent meal. That's, That's true. That not is true. some bullshit bologna sandwich. I've no, no, no. I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've been, been on. I've been on Rhineland from yeah. from day one. We've always said, hey, if we're not paying, because you know everybody starts out not getting paid. That's how you start out in this business. Don't let anybody tell you different. But the one thing you have to do is you have to feed people. Yeah, and you can't feed them a fucking bologna sandwich. You have to give them a hot meal, and you have to have plenty of snacks. That's huh. That's bare minimum. And let me tell you another thing. This really this really pisses me off. Does it suck? It does suck. Because <laughs> I see this all the time on Facebook or whatever film sites. You know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> I've been victim of this suck. When, when people, they have a posting for a film, they said non-paid, but compensation is food and IMDb credit. Yay! That is not compensation. Mark yeah. the clock. Who won the pool? 
Oh, <laughs> it only took him that long to mention this. I thought he'd lead with this. Listen to me. <laughs> Compensation is money. And if you don't pay people, that's okay. You can say, hey, this is an unpaid right. gig. But what you don't do is say, oh, we're going to pay you with food and IMDB credit. No, that's a bare minimum, man. You just get that for showing up. You right. get fed and you get a credit for showing up. If you're lucky, you get a copy of the finished product. That hardly ever happened either. It, yeah, except for us. We've always finished no, our I, movies. No, 100% agree. So, so thanks, you, for the, thanks for the credit, by the way. Oh, Appreciate you're welcome. It. I, I got it regardless. <laughs> Nobody set up my IMDB page. IMDB set it yeah. up. <laughs> I just kind of looked on there and went, hey, I'm on here. But that's that's the bare minimum, man. No, I, so would you have spent the money somewhere else now that you know what you know? Like, I mean, talk to you about There's a lot of people out there listening to us right now, the right? $10,000? Yeah, exactly. They, they're on a low budget. Even in today's world, they're on a low budget. So you said oh, so. I go see. deeper into that where you spent that money, though, because that's what I'm interested in. Because I know where we spent the money and how hard it was yeah. to come up with the budget, right? Yeah, and it was different times back then. No, I agree. Sure. I agree. But you said you spent how much on what? I mean, our production was like four thousand dollars. Okay, which, post was six. Now that you know what you know, would you have done anything different with the money? If if right. I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have made the movie. So oh, that's well, that would have made a cool short. It would have made a cool short. Uh, but you were young, naive, having fun, right? Yeah. But I mean, just trying to help somebody else out there um, that has ten thousand dollars. Where where would you? What's the what's the thing you have to do? Because you're not paying actors with ten thousand dollars. No, right? I mean, you can give them a token amount of money, but uh, the one thing you absolutely have to do, which almost everybody screws up, is get good sound. Okay. If you have to invest in any equipment, don't buy the biggest baddest camera don't oh i gotta get the red dragon six thousand i gotta get this i gotta get the area man i even iphone pictures look good nowadays what everybody everybody when they start out definitely but they fuck up the sound the sound is always fucked it doesn't matter if you're yeah exactly yeah, no, it's true <laughs> it doesn't matter what your picture looks like if your sound is dog shit so if you're gonna spend any money i'm not even talking about hiring a sound guy right but you're going to spend any money on equipment, buy good sound gear, buy good mics, buy a good boom, buy a good mixer. Yeah, spend the money there. Camera <laughs> is second. And I will tell you, my, my, uh, I guess my pillars of independent filmmaking, the order of importance that I put things uh, hold in. Actors are <laughs> hold on, one. hold on, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Hold on your seats, folks. Here it goes. <laughs> All right. Number one. <laughs> story. Woo! Agree. Acting. Production design. Audio, picture. Five pillars. Pictures last. Why? Because it's a movie. It's supposed to look good. And I have seen a lot of local films that were shot beautifully, and they have shit for production design. I do not believe what I'm looking at. And if you don't believe what you're looking at as an audience member, whoever made that movie has failed. Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen a lot of movies out there that it's exactly what it is. It's wow, what a great camera. Story sucked. Yeah, right. I wasn't interested in the show. It was if, if it was a nature show, it would have been great, right? But it wasn't. It's, it's I agree with you, and I've learned that as I moved through working this independent film circuit, that some of the stuff you can do for free. You can write a free story. Yeah, the only right? thing you get free is the story. Right. If you're the writer, if you're most people at this level are writer directors, the only thing you get, which doesn't cost you any money, just costs you time and effort, which is its own thing. But that's the story. That's free. Well, going back to the early days of 88 millimeter, and I wasn't part of 88 millimeter at the time. Just I kept getting cast there because I showed up. Uh, <laughs> that's true. I guess. But 
the modest budget most beginner filmmakers have is actually kind of a good thing, if you ask me. Because if you have a beginner filmmaker and somehow raises a bunch of money from investors because they believe in this guy, and, it, and they shoot this movie and it turns out like dog shit, what have you actually learned? You know, because you, you, you learned you can't make a movie with a decent budget, then wow, you're fucked. You know, so if you if you actually just have ten thousand dollars, you're starting off small and you're learning. That's not a that's not something you can't bounce back from. You can build from it, but I, I really do think starting off small is probably not a, a bad idea. Now, if yeah. you got rich relatives and they want to throw you millions of dollars, you know, whatever. But I, I guarantee that you're going to learn more with a smaller budget and work your way up. Yeah, that's that's one of my sucks, Brock. Is the people that. Oh, I did. Yeah, somebody handed you a ton of money, mm -hmm. and you did this with it, right? That's great for that guy, but I hate when you get those, into those comparisons of the movies, and people try to do it like us, who came out of nowhere to try to do whatever we need to do and raised our own money and stuff like that. And then you got these other guys who were just handed the opportunity, handed the money, and you try to put everybody into the same category. And I don't think it is the same category mm -hmm. for people trying to out no, there it's doing not. it. It's, it's nothing against them because they got the break or they got the money or they got whatever they got. Sure. And there's nothing against us for what we had to do. It's just we're all kind of lumped into that same group sometimes. And I think learning, the learning process is what, is what separates it. Yeah, we've got a lot of learn, learning experience <laughs> here. I mean, we learned a lot with, with no money, but enough to... We learned enough and made good enough product throughout the years to where we could actually go ask for money from investors and feel okay doing so, you know. So if we had a bunch of money, and like for amphetamine, and it turned out just like amphetamine turned out, it's probably going to be tough for us to go get money and saying we're going to make another movie that we didn't learn anything from. I mean, would you have made a better movie with more money, or was it lack of experience? Uh, it was both. Yeah, I mean... I like to say for a first-time feature filmmaker and a first-time feature film, Amphetamine is pretty good for what it, it is. is. It's yeah. really, it really is. I, it's really good. But does that mean it's a good movie? No, it's not a good movie. It's a first-time feature filmmaker. It's a first-time feature film by someone who'd never done it before. Your first few films, make them as cheap as possible because you're just going to fuck up anyways. Mm -hmm. And it's better to learn yeah. on very little than... Because I've known people, and I'm not going to name any names, I've known people in... The, this film community that we're in in St. Louis that have made movies for large six-figure budgets for their first film that was not a good film. It was a terrible film. Right. One I'm thinking of in particular is just a bad movie. It was made for $300,000. You know, better to have made that for $30,000 or $3,000. Right. And you, you take your lumps, you make your mistakes, and then, you know, a year later, you're like, God, what was I thinking? This was terrible. But then, you know, from that experience... Yeah, you make another one a better one. And from that experience, or the uh, amphetamine one, how many how many years later was it before the second feature was starting in production? Let's see, uh, amphetamine. We shot that in two thousand one, two thousand two. We screened it in two thousand three, and we went into production on Rhineland in December of two thousand five. Yeah, I remember it very well, actually. Yeah, that's that's. And what was the budget for Rhineland then? Uh, the total budget for Rhineland was thirty-five thousand dollars. Right. You got to see this movie, people. No, I, I agree. If and if, you won't believe what Chris got out of that budget. 
And when I say the budget was $35,000, let me let me clarify something. We spent $35,000 on it. Right. There was never at any point in time that we have put together more than $5,000 at any given moment. And there were times we were down, we were scraping the bottom of the barrel with like less than 500 bucks. And I'd have to go out and figure out a way to raise more money. This was almost an entire volunteer project. We had to pay for reenactors. So we had to pay for fuel for the vehicles because we had a lot of vehicles in this film. We had a bunch of half tracks, tanks, Explosions. trucks. I had to pay the pyrotechnician. Uh, again, for what it is and what we were able to accomplish, Rhineland is an incredible movie. But if you compare it to Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan, sure. it's a piece of shit. Yeah, but that's, again... Not a fair comparison. No, and I've had people make that comparison. But nobody they cares. suck. Yeah, and nobody nobody does care. Yeah. You're right, exactly, because these people only see three movies a year, and yeah. they're coming out and go, "Oh, you made a World War II movie? Well, it's not this. No yeah. shit, it's not this, and, right? It's not supposed to be this." And and you can't get mad about that. You can't take it personally. I've I've had some incredibly shitty reviews say, "Oh, I could do better than this. This is like a high school production with a tank." And I think to myself, "Buddy, no way in fucking hell could you do." Could no you way. do better than this? No way. But, you know, I, you can't stand up there with a sign and say, hey, here's what I had to do to get this movie made. Because nobody cares. What they care about is the final product. You know? Again, it's a good movie. It's a great movie for what it is. Yeah. I had a blast on it. Yeah. Kept coming out. <laughs> I almost had a heart attack making that movie. Went to the hospital, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that sucked on that movie. Yeah. I mean, as far as what... What had to take place and how you had to do it. I wish I wish I would have known more about the production side of things on that movie. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't want to know more about the production side well, of things because I don't know how you pulled it off. Well, that's, and Brock, that's where that's Brock. That's the first time it. Brock came in as a uh, as a producer, really. Yeah. So Greg had called me out of the blue after we did um, Amphetamine, and we'd seen each other at festivals and different showings of yeah. different movies from supporting the local filmmakers. He called me up one day. 2005 it was yeah sure. and uh he's like hey i got a another role for you it's a little bigger than than snowy and amphetamine and i said okay what are you doing he said well i got this world war ii movie i'm like oh shit <laughs> 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 world war ii okay and i just think it was just going to be something kind of small i said okay um chris where are you shooting this world war ii film at and he goes well maybe this place in stanton missouri they got a little property out there we're not needing a few things. <laughs> I said, well, what do you need, Chris? He says, well, I need some fields, I think a river, uh, some gravel roads, and lots of woods. I said, well, I, uh, I live on 300 acres and have a river, fields, woods, <laughs> and gravel roads. Why don't you come take a look at it and see if it's something we can work out? So... At the time, he uh, he came out like a week later, and we started. To, Chris decided, yeah, we could we could probably make this work, because where I live, it looked it looked kind of like what Germany looked like. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I, close yeah. enough anyway. No, yeah, I, yeah, yeah uh, some big rolling hills, lots of big trees, uh, vast fields. Uh, we did not have the Rhine River. No, <laughs> but the Merrimack uh, River. We had the Merrimack yeah, River. Yeah, we did. And we had gravel roads, and uh, I had rights to be able to shoot on train trussle, uh, train tracks. We had we had all this. Yeah, stuff. you did. We had all the stuff we needed, and um, so Chris said, "Yeah, let's let's shoot here." 
And there's more stories that go into how we built some of these sets, which we'll get into some other time. But uh, how I became producer was an associate producer, I guess is what they call it. You know, yeah. Just because I had locations for them, logistics. And on the property, we had little houses for rent. And we uh, uh, had one which was gutted, basically, that we used as headquarters and rented porta potties for yeah we slept out there played access now is out there one night yes we did (laughs) i I had a totally different experience because i was just a hired actor who happened to have this property that we could shoot a movie on and uh i I helped out with other things like getting food because i knew in my hometown i knew you know the the local pizza guy you know just I, i knew a lot of people in town and it's kind of cool for me because I got to walk out of my house most of the time and just walk into the field and I, the field was a set. See if Greg was still alive? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd just get on my four-wheelers and we'd drive out to the set. And uh, it was just great because my family got to see us making a movie. And at the time I had two young kids. One was six or seven, another one was two. And... Um, they got to see their dad be in a movie and see all these tanks and everything. Just this great big production. But when everybody got to see what a real production looked like, it changed their minds about, okay, what, what I do and, and what I want to be a part of for my life. And uh, that was a big deal for me. And then uh, <laughs> Chris asked me, I remember one time, he says, what do you think about this producing stuff? I said, you know... <laughs> You know, it seems like it's, a lot of work. Yeah. I said, I think, yeah, I said, I think it kind of sucks, man, because you got to do all this logistical stuff, make a bunch of phone calls, yeah. and, and you have to deal with a lot of things. And I said, I think I'm just going to focus on acting. I don't, I don't think I want all the headaches of a producer. Well, I've been eating those words ever since. Yeah. I've been <laughs> producing a lot of things ever since. Yeah, then. we'll get into Sound of Nothing later. Yeah. That was the first real producer job. You know, yeah, I, th- yeah. I, I think what you're, you're making it sound better than it is right for what it is but i you know what i mean it, it was great for what there was a lot that went into it right yeah you're, i didn't have the stress right you're making, had. i didn't have to worry you're about you're condensing the, the story into like a short period of time just for story's that's sake right, right? That's right but what i'm impressed with and where i'm hearing from the story is that you had a passion mm-hmm. you had a little bit of money yep and you made it, and you made it work. Yes. Right. And you weren't in a big hurry to do it. I've you found you know, Brock. Brock had a field. He offered. Right. It's like you weren't going out to do things. You just you found a way to make because well, the passion was there. Right. Let, let me explain how Ryland even came about. And the, the how I even had the hubris to make this movie. Okay, so after amphetamine, I was going to make this boxing film, a straight up boxing film. Actually, it was boxing and bar shuffleboard. Don't ask me. It seemed like it was going to work, but it was, it was called Shuffle. We shot an investor teaser for it. Before we, we launched into that movie, because that was 100%, that was the next movie. It was going to be Shuffle. Shuffle or, or, or bust. So Stanzi, Eric Stanzi, was working on a feature film called Deadwood Park. Hmm. And Deadwood Park had a World War II sequence in it. And he knew that I was a big history buff. Always have been, still am now. And he said, uh, Grego, uh, I want you to be the an associate producer on this film. I want you to be the World War II guy, so I'm going to you know, give you a budget and just go out to wherever you can and buy as much World War II stuff as you can find. I'm like, aye, aye, Captain. So he gave me like 500 bucks, something like that. And I went to a couple of the local military surplus stores, and I bought up a bunch of World War II surplus stuff, like helmets and you know some overcoats and just, just a bunch of shit. He got a surprisingly 
large amount of World War II <laughs> stuff in 2005 with 500 bucks. <laughs> so Stanzi said, I can't really pay you to work on this movie, but as payment, I'll just give you all this World War II shit when we're done. I'm like, cool. So then I had all this World War II stuff. I had like, because I on my own, I went and bought like two rifles, like two actual M1 Grand rifles. And then, uh, you know, I had like seven or eight helmets and I had, had some like German, actually they were Spanish World War II helmets, but they looked German. I, I had, a, had a bunch of stuff. So this was after the shuffle trailer. Uh, we did a 48-hour film festival. We did, Chris Mackey talked about this earlier, yeah. Vuma May. It was, we somehow, I'm not going to explain how the 48-hour film project works, but basically you get assigned randomly a genre that you have to make in 48 hours. And we drew a foreign film. And as we're trying to figure out what the hell we're going to do with this, I thought, well, I've got this World War II crap. And then someone said, well, I know French. Someone else said, well, I know German. Let's make a World War II movie. So we made this really awesome World War II movie in 48 hours. And based upon that, I thought, well, hell, if we can do this in 48 hours. Let's ratchet up to 11. Let's, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's crank it up. Let's, let's make a World War II feature film. Uh, it's outside. Outside's free. Should be easy. I know some reenactors. Mm. We'll do this really quick and really cheap and really easy so we can... Use that momentum to raise money to make Shuffle. That was the, the thought process going into Rhineland. We're going to just bust this out really quick so we can make this other movie. Well, three fucking years later, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and a, at least one near-death experience, uh, Rhineland was done. Shuffle was consigned to the dustbin of history, <laughs> thankfully. And uh, yeah, that's that's how I had the 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 stones, the the hubris, the balls, the insanity, whatever you want to call it, to think I could make Rhineland. Nah, no, but I think that's a great story in the sense that it's like you thought you were going one place, you went another place, but it was still about the independent filmmaking, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I love about independent filmmakers because it's like I have a passion. You're like, I want to do this. Wait, this is free. But I, I, I think that's key for people to understand about having ideas and what you want to do. And yeah, you can hold on to that idea and make it when you make it. But I think the experience of making film is helped the process for where we are today, right? Well, yeah, that's that's exactly what happened with, right. with Red Night at Skies, yep. which is our current movie that is almost wrapped up uh, post-production. We were hell-bent on making a different boxing movie mm -hmm. called Cruiser. Uh, Brock trained for two years to be a fighter. We we spent, I don't know, $15,000 or more making a two-minute investor teaser for Cruiser. Looks great. Looks awesome. It does look great. <laughs> I mean, I, I worked on this script again for a couple of years, but this script is awesome, unlike Shuffle, which is terrible. Uh, and... You know, we we raised a shit ton of money. We This was going to be our breakthrough movie. We were going forward hell or high water, and then COVID hit, and bam, everything went right down the shitter. Well, you sucked me in first. We got you by in showing first. me the great teaser. Yeah. <laughs> and we had, to give back, we had to give back all the money. We had to shut down Cruiser, and for like a, a solid 
month, I was just in just state of depression. I'm like, well, fuck, we can't make Cruiser. COVID has killed everything. We don't have any more money. No, that sucked. I don't know what we're going to do. Everybody and, was worried. Was, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll go through the COVID years. Yeah, that was, was just a hard blow. But then, you know, we, I, I thought, okay, well, what could we do if we basically cut the budget in half and cut it in half again, and we can raise a decent amount of money, not what we had for Cruiser. What can we do with that? And that's where Red Knight came up with, because I, I had... There were two things with Red Knight which had to happen. We had to have a name actor in the movie, and we had to have basically one location. And the movie basically takes place in one location. Yeah, I mean, I think you're throwing out a thousand things that people listening to us can, like, draw from about change and diversity and yeah. the suck and thinking you're doing this and going here, but... You gotta pivot. Right, you gotta be able to pivot and do it, and you can't let that hopes and dreams be shattered because, uh, right? Or you wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. And you loved it too much. Both of you guys did, and then you know, I'm in it now, and I love it so much because we could have quit after yeah. COVID. We could have quit after this movie. Mm-hmm. But and, and that's that's the other thing is when Red Knight was getting ready to, we were ready to go up and running with Red Knight. We had to shut that down for a year because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think that's important for people to understand through our journey and how we're kind of rocking and rolling here is it always wasn't this. It always wasn't Red Knight moving no. on to the next one, right? Trying to get three or four scripts in the hopper, coming up with a formula for what we think is good to sell movies, right? It wasn't always that. It was, I have the movie, I have a free set, I have this, I have that. Yeah. But even with Red Knight, I think the best thing you said out of there is we wrote a movie that said we need one this, yeah. one that. Won that, and we kept it simple. An easier formula. Yes, mm-hmm. and we built the movie around what we knew we could do because, like we say in our investor meetings, we learned how to shoot movies on our dime so we could go spend your dime, Yeah, right, to try to make money. Mm-hmm. And that's why we've never been a for-profit company until Red Knight. Well, that that's also the one thing I, I always advise young filmmakers, and most of them don't want to listen, and I get it. I didn't either. You try to do something too ambitious – you're going to fuck it up. That's I think that's the key here. Because I, I think after Ryland got picked up, it was on Amazon. I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> that's You think you made it, right? Well, back then, yes. That's that's what I'm saying. Right. And here we are, three schmucks in the, yeah. the basement on Broadway, hitting a podcast so other people can hear our stories, right? And drive into stuff we're trying to do in order to say, you're not in this alone. Yeah. And, and your experience is probably just similar to ours. And here we are still trying to do it. Yeah. Even after all these things where you thought you made it, you thought this was the right thing to do, and you brought Brock in, and you did all this, and you made this World War II movie, and God, we're just great. And shafted. <laughs> shafted. Well, it's this is both, on paper, in a way, filmmaking is one of the easiest things to conceive. You have an idea, you write it, you shoot it, you put it out there, boom, right? But it's also one of the hardest things you're ever going to do. In in theory, it's easy. It sounds simple. Yeah, in execution, it's oh my God, it breaks your heart, breaks everything, breaks your wallet, breaks your back, breaks your spirit. And I think Brock said it earlier. I think in episode one about control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a tough part. Yeah, that that is the tough part. Is what do you control? Now, what don't you control? There is self distribution, obviously, which we can talk about some other time too. We've done that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just a thousand avenues 
we've gone down a lot of them as far as the our film catalog. Yeah. And I think each one tells a different story. Amphetamine, right? You learn $10,000. Would you have put the money somewhere else? What would you have done? Your five pillars, which I think are dead on. I mean, I don't know what other people's pillars are or what they got going on, but I, I think that's key to, to what, you know, a foundation for going on to a Rhineland. <laughs> but if you don't have amphetamine, you don't have Rhineland. Yeah. Right? And if you didn't have shuffle as a catalyst to try to get something, because that was your drive, yeah. right? You don't have this movie. And guess what? People, it's okay. Shuffle never got made. It's, and it's that's it, thankful. Yes. Maybe, maybe not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's still, you know, and then you think you're going to make this boxing movie and you put all this money into it and you don't. It's crazy how the industry works. But I think it's perseverance and just loving it. Yeah. Even though it sucks. Because we started working on Cruiser in 2016. Yeah. 2016. And here it is, 2023, seven years later. Uh, still have the script. Script is great. Script is great. Script's been worked. Script's, script's, yeah. But, you know. And now Brock looks great again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things happen. Things come up that you don't expect. You didn't, I mean, nobody expected COVID. Nobody anticipated that. Right. And that was probably the best thing for us, everything getting shut down. Because I don't know if, maybe it would have worked out for us. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it would have been up more than we can chew. But we learned a hell of a lot making Making Red Knight. You're always learning on set. Yeah. There's always something else. There's always some way you can do better. And it's not because of money, per se. Money helps. But it's because we're at that next level. And every level I think you get to, it just becomes a little few more steps. And a yeah. few more things you have to add. And there's some things we can talk about in the next couple episodes about what you should be preparing for during your filming. Like what kind of stuff you should have like for deliverables or whatever. So you can get done on set like photos oh that's yeah that's that's a great point of because you only get one shot to get that scene on that day stuff you can do while you're making a movie that you can get you can finish check those boxes as you're making the movie yeah no that's which we we did check some of those boxes on this one but the next one we're we're checking every fucking box there is (laughs) well you you gotta look out for your future self and and the worst thing anyone's ever gonna utter is fix it in post Mm -hmm. i'm not just talking about the the movie itself but the things you're talking about Mm -hmm. the stills uh the promo stuff the stuff you cannot go back and get because because on the next film your actress has shaved her head and she's in guam and you can't get her you know right those things that you know you don't know you got to get it when you when you can get it because you might not be able to get it later no but i think that's good as as we move through ryland here a little bit and have the experience of that or whatever what do you guys want what do you guys want to pick up next next time on this like little podcast of ours and i hope people are enjoying us maybe figure it out when we get there fuck i don't know we just going by the seat of our pants yeah true whatever whatever we you know i I just hope we give some we can hopefully eventually give some content out there that somebody could learn from our mistakes. Yeah. Hopefully people can can glean something from this, learn from our mistakes, and learn from what little wisdom we have. Because what we're going to be talking about are the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens of true independent filmmaking. Suck it up. Be a filmmaker. Be a filmmaker. Suck it up. And, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Indie Film Sucks, uh, YouTube, all those different things. Right. Indie film sucks. Indie film sucks. It's the indie film sucks.